Welcome, and thank you for pressing play. I'm Crystal Bergfield, and this is Back to School with Crystal Bergfield. Throughout history, great teachers have stepped forward to help show us the way to coexist in society. They have urged us to consider our role in community. Just like those teachers, I am offering up my knowledge and experience to contribute to a just, responsible, and innovative United States. Through storytelling, interviews, and in-depth discussions, I will dive into the issues that plague our society and highlight new ideas that could contribute to a healthy nation. This podcast is part of a larger curriculum to educate Americans about our society. Find your seat, take a breath, and prepare to expand your mind, your heart, and your reality. Hello, friends, and welcome to week four of Jobs and Wages. This week, I'm focusing on solutions. And for the podcast, I'm going to focus on what's working. What are we doing well? If you want to know what we should be improving, you'll have to go over to my Patreon page and check that out. Let's get started. I'm going to start with an analogy of home demolition. And this is a true story because it's happened to me. Let's say there's a flood in your basement. Yes, that happened. I had a house and the basement flooded. Of course, I had those inspections and everything was going past the inspection, if you will. Um, But water showed up, almost a foot of water, in fact. And when that happened, I had a few choices to make. I had to decide what to do about the water in my basement. Now, Because the house is a whole organism, it's a system that operates together, I could have chosen to burn the house down because now I've got a foot of water in my basement, but I didn't. Instead, I chose to focus just on the problem at hand, which was the water in the basement. I addressed the flooding in the basement. The kitchen is good, the dining room is great, but the basement has mold growing and the paneling is done. So what did I do? First, I got the water out of the basement. I first, well, actually, first, (laughs) I checked to make sure that the sump pump was working, and yes, it was. So I had to find another way to get the water out of the basement because the sump pump couldn't work fast enough. I got another pump in there, sent the water out the front door. I got the water out. So now the the basement or the bottom level of my house, I had a bi-level. So I had two bedrooms and a bathroom and a laundry room in the lower level um, and real consequences of this water. So I had to tear back the paneling and or tear away the paneling and expose what was going on underneath. I could have just sent the water out, dried everything up, sprayed some bleach and said, okay, we're good to go. But I recognize that if the sump pump is working, something else is going wrong. And when I peeled back that paneling, I found cracks in the foundation of my house. And so There again, I have another choice to make. Do I just put up new paneling, put a new tile floor and and call it good? Do I put a Band-Aid on? Or do I address the cracks in the foundation? I addressed the cracks in the foundation. We pulled everything away and I had the help of my brothers and my dad. We pulled everything away, we sealed the foundation and then we put up new paneling. We even put in some new two by fours because some of the wood was rotting. We put up uh, or put in new tile floors and then new doors because the doors were even warped. 
in that way, in this analogy of using the flooding in the basement, it is much like our systems here in the United States. As a United States, we could consider it like that house. All of these different systems work together, different rooms, um, different operations that all work together to create our society. So when we look at systems and when I look at systems and the systemic issues that we have, we have a few de- we have a few choices we can use here. We could burn the whole place down, but do we need to? Today I'm going to talk about what we are doing well so that we don't have to burn this place down. Some things are working for us. Some people are really working for us. And I want to expose what's going well today. The story I just told, that personal story, is exactly how we need to address the broken or corrupted systems in our country. From my point of view, we must address the inequities throughout all of our systems. And since we are talking about jobs and wages this month, I'll be addressing it from this lens. And as I just mentioned, head over to Patreon to hear those solutions. If our jobs and wages are at a deficit when it comes to lived experience, we need to examine what is working and where can we do better. What lessons can we learn so that we have the tools to fix and create a more healthy work environment for all Americans? Let's start with what is working. What is not on fire right now? Well, we continue to get told that the unemployment rate is at its lowest. And personally, I don't take that as a win because I know better, but it does calm our nerves. So I'll give you that. Calm your nerves. Be okay with that. But moving on, entrepreneurship is strong in the United States. And there are more organizations and angel investors than ever who are here to support these folks who want to create new opportunities for themselves and their communities. While 2018 began to show a decline in small business, according to the Global Economic Monitor, GEM, and I'll reference it again, there were around 25 million entrepreneurs in the United States in 2016. GEM, that Global Economic Monitor, has demonstrated that entrepreneurs provide jobs, create new products, advance technology, and increase prospects for those who start, grow, financially support, and work in new ventures. Lives change as entrepreneurs gain experience, confidence, and wealth. Communities grow as residents gain employment, and existing businesses thrive due to new spending. Societies benefit as new and improved products come to market as well. Furthermore, GEM research showed that only 15% of U.S. budding entrepreneurs see themselves as a single-person entity with no creation of jobs for others, which means that 85% of entrepreneurs who start a new business have the intention of creating new jobs and new opportunities for their community. Even though overall economic conditions have been largely favorable, small businesses have hit a growth ceiling as larger companies mostly bolstered by generally strong market conditions, favorable favorable tax policies, and support from local governments. Let me start that over. (laughs) 
Even though overall economic conditions have been largely favorable, small businesses have hit a gross ceiling as larger companies, whom are bolstered by generally strong market conditions, favorable tax policies, support from local governments, and an easing in federal regulations, these larger companies have been gobbling up the talent. That is why, for the past year, as I just mentioned, the index has shown a startup economy that is strong but slowing. Apparently, small businesses' loss has been big businesses' gain. People have been flocking to the greater security that bigger companies can provide, and hiring has become more difficult for smaller businesses as a result. And I just interviewed a woman, Leanne, who owns a small business here in Colorado. And she and I talked about the same thing, that especially in times when we're struggling to find security or stability in our personal lives, we tend to take less risks. The need for security right now, and we are all feeling it, has affected the entrepreneur community. It's a huge risk to take on a new business from start to operation. According to Robert Grin, CEO and founder of CodeWise, a few other reasons that there aren't more entrepreneurs include entrepreneurship is not taught in education, there isn't opportunity for experience with other entrepreneurs, parents' input on the failure of business can persuade somebody one way or the other, government policies affect them, and often a lack of inspiration. And we know that inspiration is directly tied to the ability to free your mind and think. And so, of course, if we are on our grind trying to find that stability and that security, we have less inspiration. What I've been super impressed with when it comes to entrepreneurs is the amount of passion-driven do-gooders out there. I've been to some really cool businesses in the last several years. Everything from a cafe for cat lovers, live cats included, to clothing made from recycled plastic. Lego has made a public commitment to ethical business practices and high standards for human rights for their employees. As a pay-it-forward company, The Giving Keys employs people who are transitioning out of homelessness and provides full-time jobs at a living wage. With each job, the company offers benefits as well as paid time off for housing, education, and case management appointments. And Love Your Melon, their mission is to give a hat to every child in America who is battling cancer and to support nonprofit organizations researching a cure for pediatric cancer. The company sells hats and scarves and donates 50% of their profits to cancer research initiatives. You guys, we are doing so awesome in the innovation and passion-driven business arena, but we could do better. Every conversation I have with young people, they tell me they want to make a living wage first because it sucks not to be able to afford adulthood, and second, they want to work for organizations doing really great things. I read an article recently that companies are being asked by potential employees what their social responsibility policies are how they give back to the community, what benefits employees receive. And many of you would say to the youth, just take the job, you can enjoy life later. You are the same one saying that it's okay for businesses not to serve populations of people that conflict with personal beliefs. Hypocrisy much? It's okay for established businesses to have beliefs, but not our youth? I question this logic.
I'm going to stay here for a moment. Let me remind you that the youth are our future. They all eventually become adults. Well, that is if they can survive the war zone of youth today. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) But the point is, youth can either have input, share their passions, share their concerns, and we can listen and adjust our country's trajectory to be super innovative and find solutions to the problems they address, or we can ignore them and they will become bitter like many adults today. What would you prefer? There is this meme, and I feel like it's so true. There's a picture of a man in a wheelchair at the edge of a cliff with his daughter behind him. It said, be kind to your children. They have control of your care when you are no longer able to care for yourself. I mean, edge of the cliff, we could throw you all off. The youth are stronger, faster, and smarter. It's a beautiful thing, and it's what every parent hopes for, that their children will evolve past the parent's understanding of life. And yet, it seems today to be the greatest fear. And maybe that's over time. I'm not sure. I'm observing today. But watching young leaders in Congress and around the country get villainized by old people is disgusting. What's wrong with you old people? Legit. Can somebody please clue me in? I ask, but from my professional experience, the villainization of our young leaders by the old ones is a matter of what the the older ones have invested in the system. They've got a lot of money riding on their policies and deals they made years ago and are still taking money for. Mm. 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 What a shame, y'all. I guess the whole point of that rant is that our young Americans are ready to serve in an amazing way. After attending the climate march last week on March 15th, I was inspired more than ever. Their activism for our country, for our environment... Yes, all of us. It's honorable. The fact that children are marching the streets, speaking up, and demanding representation is a reflection of their moral compass. They have a better moral compass than those leading our country right now. And so how does this relate to jobs? Simply put, young workers entering the workforce are ready to work for socially responsible companies. Can we ensure to continue to support these companies, which in turn support our communities in very real ways? So that's what's good, y'all. Chime in. What do you see that's great in our job market right now? Homework of the week is to reflect on the responsible and irresponsible companies that you feed with your time and energy, i.e. money. And also act this week. It's time to start acting. I'd like you to start by asking a young person, or maybe your friends if you're young as well, what they want to do with their life's work. Ask them about their passions and then encourage them. If you have the time and energy, find a few resources for them or give back to your community. You already know, we are in this together and we gotta start supporting one another better. These are a few easy ways to start. This has been Fireside Chats with Crystal. Thank you for taking your precious time to invest in yourself, your community, and our country. Now go out there and shine, baby, shine. Our country needs us now more than ever. If you like what you heard, please check out the curriculum link and dive into more learning already live. Then head over to my website and donate to the cause. I'm offering my curriculum for free. So it's up to you to see the value in what I'm doing and support your girl along the way.